is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. And some notes and some chocolate coins because I just can't get rid of them. <laughs> Have you found out there's just so much chocolate at home? You just think, oh. I used to love it, but now I'm thinking, I might as well just throw it at people during my preach to keep them awake. So that's what I'm going to do. At random times, I'm going to throw a coin at you. And if you catch it, you can keep it. If not, if it hits you off, I'll ask for your forgiveness. And that all ties in with what I'm going to talk about, so it's brilliant. Okay, welcome to 2012. It's great to see you all. Thank you for indulging my uh, my little thing with um, hymns this morning. I did ask if we could start with three hymns, and they said, no, but you can have two. So we had two hymns. I love hymns. Um, I just, I don't know what it is about them. They're great, aren't they? I think part of it is just knowing that um, someone's left their mobile phone on. I don't think there is one, is Okay. I think part of it is knowing that we're singing the same words as some of the great men of God did so many years ago. And there's some real truth in them, isn't there? And it's great to stand and just to, to sing that. So thank you for doing that for me. Okay, this year, or lessons from last year. Um, I've learned two main lessons from last year. One is how to wait. Um, and that looks like being a lesson for 2012 as well. Because uh, we still haven't sold our house. We're still not in Burton, which is where we want to be. Not that Derby's not a great place, but when God's put something on your heart, then um, he gives you a desire for it as well. And uh, we have a desire to be in Burton. And that will happen, but it's not happened yet. And tying in with that, I've learned that God's timing is not our timing. Um, it doesn't really work like that. I wish it did. I wish I could click my fingers and say, now I want it there. But it doesn't always happen like that. So we're learning to wait um, for God to sell our house uh, and to provide us with a new one. The kids are having a great time in schools. They're settled. Uh, the schools are really good. Burton is a great place to be. So if you fancy a challenge this year, you're more than welcome to join us. Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> okay, sorry. I suppose I should have asked first for it. So, yeah. So, let's see how many times we can mention Burton during this preach, shall we? Anyway, no. Okay, another thing I've learned this year, that there are times when God takes you back over situations to teach you something new or to cement something that you've already learned. And with this in mind, and as we look forward to 2012, I want to look at three things that God has revisited in my life and that have made a real difference to me this year. And I'm pretty sure we've covered these before. I'm sure other people have preached on them, but I, I trust that there'll be something this year, right, this morning, that will help you as you look to the year ahead. So, I've gone the whole hog this morning. I have three headings beginning with the letter F. Yes! I am a proper preacher. Okay, the first heading we're looking at is failure. Nice and encouraging for you. Second one, forgiveness. Third one, fellowship. So let's pray and then we'll dive into those three because I really want to have some time afterwards to worship God and to pray. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this new year. Thank you, Lord God, that you are at the very centre of all that we do. Lord, I pray this morning, would you open our hearts just to hear your voice? Lord, would you stir us, Lord, to, to, to move forward in you, Lord, this year. Lord, we don't want to be... Lord, static. Lord God, we want to be a moving church. We want to be moving forward. Uh, Lord, we just want to be open, Lord, to your prompting and your voice. 
And Lord, just speak to us this morning. Amen. Okay, first of all, I want to encourage you with a list of failures. Okay, my first failure, a gentleman called Walt Disney. His first company, which was called iWorks Disney Commercial Artists, folded. His second company, Newman Laughograms, went bankrupt. My second failure was Mickey Mouse, because his first film failed to get a distributor. My third failure was Albert Einstein, because he was such a slow learner that it was suggested he switch studies to another topic. Fourth, Napoleon. He was 42nd in a class of 43. George Washington lost two-thirds of his battles. In 1952, Roger Bannister ran in the Olympics, and he finished fourth. He didn't get him any kind of medal. In 1832, Abraham Lincoln was defeated for the state legislature. In 1833, he failed in business. In 1835, his sweetheart died. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he was defeated from the Illinois House Speaker. In 1843, he was defeated for nomination to Congress. In 1854, he was defeated to the US Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for nomination for Vice President. And in 1858, he was defeated again in the US Senate race. But when you recall these names, do you remember their failures? Or do you remember the the contribution they have made to this world? In the mornings, I read UCB. And recently, they've done a series of daily devotionals on failure. And it was entitled, Don't Be Afraid of Failure. And it was based around Proverbs 24.16, which says, A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. In it, the writer says, failure is not an event, only an opinion. As long as it's not your opinion, you can come back and succeed. In his first inaugural address, Franklin Roosevelt told the nation, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Failure is not fatal. You can begin again. If you refuse to quit when you fail, you will ultimately succeed. You just have to be willing to get back up and keep on moving. A wise man concluded, it's a mistake to suppose that people succeed only through success. They often succeed through failures. Until you overcome the fear of failure, you'll be immobilised at the prospect of taking a risk. The important thing to remember when you fail is not to quit. History shows that failure can actually become a bridge to success. Only when you consider your failure to be final are you finally a failure. Another benefit of failure is that it makes you less judgmental to others. When you've experienced failure, you become more sympathetic. Instead of pointing an accusing finger, you see the extent... I'm going to put that down there, sorry. I've got no space. I've got no space. It's a good idea. Oh, caught in his jumper. Good call. Where was I? Instead of saying foolish things like, I can't believe you did that, you remember the pit God dug you out of. And say with gratitude and humility, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You know how it hurts to fail, and you feel their pain because of what you've been through. This makes you a better friend, a better mentor, and a better example of grace. So this year, my first point, don't be afraid of failure. And don't let fear of failure hold you back. When you look to the future, when your imagination runs wild, you've had that, haven't you? 
You notice how when you start thinking about the future, your mind takes over and you start rushing. Your imagination goes on and on and on. When that happens, make sure you stop and picture your future with the God at the centre of it, with your God at the centre of it. Remember, only when you consider failure to be final are you finally a failure. So is there anything you're putting off because you're fearful you might fail? Is there something you once longed to do and maybe failed at it once and haven't taken up again? This year, why don't you take the opportunity to push out the boat, push the boundaries out and try it again. So that was failure. Forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive whatever grievance you have, you may have against one another. And Matthew 6.15 says, Jesus said, If you do not forgive, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is vitally important, but again, it's your choice. You'll find in the Bible, God doesn't force you to do anything. Jesus said, if. He doesn't say you have to forgive. If you forgive, it's a choice you make. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is also a journey. It's not a one-time event. It doesn't come easy. Philip Yancey says you don't find dolphins forgiving sharks for eating their playmates. It's a dog-eat-dog world, not a dog-forgive-dog world. Forgiveness is not a natural response. It's not an easy response either. Thank you. That's very good. I shall take, bring you back to that in a minute. Thank you for saying that. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. It's about letting go. When you choose to forgive another, you choose to love them as God loves them. Forgiveness is firstly for the forgiver to release you from something that will eat you alive and will destroy your joy and your ability to love fully and openly. When you choose to forgive, you choose the greater power of love and forgiveness over the power of hate. When you forgive, you're not pretending that something didn't happen. Just like Dave just said, that hurt. Just because he forgave me doesn't take away the fact that it hurt. It doesn't take away the past. <laughs> Medic to the front row, please. Uh, John, do you forgive me? Provided these are in code. They are. Did the fact you forgive me change the fact I threw a coin and hit you with it? No. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> forgiving someone doesn't mean you're pretending things doesn't happen. They do. You can't change the path. And when you forgive, it doesn't excuse either. It doesn't excuse what happened to you. But it does release you. Lou Smeads, who I don't know. Anybody know Lou Smeads? Well, he was a very wise man. He said this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. Who is really benefiting from you holding on to that gripe? Your insides are all tied up in knots so your brain is running and the argument on a constant replay and your tear ducts, to and your tear ducts are ready to explode. You're a prisoner to your own grudge but you hold the key to freedom. And that freedom is Forgiveness. So how do you forgive? What's the process of forgiveness? It starts with speaking out forgiveness. Speak it out. Who wants chocolate? Oh, sorry, Derek. Forgive me. Oh, I'm all right. 
I shouldn't have bought coins, should I? They don't fly very well. Oh, sorry, are you still feeling the pain there, John? Have you forgiven me? Do you need to forgive me again? It is a process, John. You don't just do it once. You can, you know. Thank you. It starts with you speaking out forgiveness, not just once or twice. Matthew 18 says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? My idea is seven times. But Jesus said to him, "Ah, No, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. That's 490. You need to keep on forgiving. Forgiveness is a journey. And sometimes it can be a long journey. Why so many times? Because Jesus knew that the first time you forgive somebody, you would still struggle with it in your mind. Have you ever noticed how your heart and your mind seems to work separately? Your head says one thing and your heart says another. Well, I, as you know, I run a business. Well, maybe you don't know. For those of you who don't, I run a business. And the thing about business is you need to win business to stay in business. And I had a chance of getting some business. And I went through lots of hoops. I organised meetings. I sourced suppliers. I did everything I could. And then I didn't get the business. And I didn't realise it, but for a long time I was holding on to that. Grudge against them. And uh, I do a little bit of business for a part of this company anyway. And every time I used to go to, to do that business, I used to th- go through my head, why didn't I get it? Why didn't they give it to me? It was so unfair. And I still do, and I have to keep forgiving them. So every time I go there and I start thinking about this, I have to stop and say, oh, I forgive them. They don't know I'm forgiving them. They don't know they... What do they know? But for me, I have to keep doing it because it's a forgiveness. I have to get myself right before God. So I have to keep doing it. I have to just keep saying, I forgive you. You may have to give, forgive a person a hundred times on the first day. That's twice, John. Do you forgive me? Third time? Thank you. And maybe the second. But as time goes by and you keep speaking it out, that's the important thing, speak it out, it will become easier and you will be able to hand the hurt and the pain over to God and the person concerned into his care. Just an aside, it's not our place to judge them either. Because when we judge, we do it subjectively. We, do, we judge on what our thoughts of what good and bad are, what our thoughts of what right and wrong are, how we were brought up, what sort of mood we were in that day. All those things are subjective, and when we judge somebody, we use all that. But leave the judging to God. It's his domain, and he does it justly, and he does it righteously. Another lesson I've learned is that the, the freedom that comes from asking for forgiveness. Now this can be a difficult thing because it doesn't mean admitting that something you have done is wrong. It also means that you need to be vulnerable. It also means you have to open yourself to the hands of another who may or may not choose to forgive you. But that's not what it's all about. The reason you want to ask for forgiveness is because it frees you and gives someone the opportunity to be free. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do you know what it feels like to be free? 
truly free, free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from expectations, free to have fellowship with God, and we'll look at that in a bit. What really helped me was understanding that from the beginning of time, I have been in exactly the same place as I am now. I am right in the centre of God's love. Nothing I have done and nothing I will do will move me one inch from that place. Because God loves me no matter what. I will be and will always be right in the centre of God's love. God doesn't want, doesn't expect to be at the top of a tick list of things that we have to do on a daily basis. He wants to be at the very centre of what we do. When you take away the I must do this, and suddenly it becomes far more attractive. You move from an expectation to anticipation. So is there anyone you need to forgive? Are there any grudges or grievances you hold on to? Is there someone you need to ask forgiveness from? Do you need to know the real freedom that comes in Christ Jesus? Well, afterwards we're going to worship and we're going to pray. And that's your opportunity to get sorted before God. Right, I have three coins before I look at fellowship. And I think I'm on time. 11 o'clock. Good. Who would like one of my three coins? Oh, right at the back. I'm going to... Who does that? Oh, I've got two left. Hang on. I have to get a bit closer. I feel like I can make a rice. <laughs> and after. Did it work up here? I, I didn't want to hurt you, mate. Who was the other one? Who did the other one? Oh, gosh. Does it work all the way up here as well? No, no, I, I don't want to hurt you, mate. Oh, my God. We've got iPads up here and everything. <laughs> It works all the way up here. This is fantastic. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have stayed on the stage. <laughs> fellowship. Let's talk about sh- fellowship, shall we? Oh, I need a drink. I love doing this. This is great. I'm free. I'm not tied to the stage anymore. It's fantastic. So, we've looked at failure, and I want to encourage you don't let failure stop you. Don't let forgiveness, don't let forgiveness hold you back. Forgive freely. Be willing to forgive. And finally, I want to look at fellowship. I want to look at fellowship with God. The word fellowship is an English translation of a Greek word, kinonina, apparently. But it's the meaning that I like. It means communion by intimate participation. So let's break fellowship down, shall we? We can break it down to this. Communion with God. Sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. See, you need to share. It means using words. It means speaking to God. Talking to him, praying to him. Singing with God. But remember, this is a two-way relationship. So as you talk to God, God will talk to you. As you give him your intimate thoughts and feelings, he will do the same. He will tell you how he feels about you. He will remind you that you are right in the centre of his love. And did you know God sings over you? 
Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will, will rejoice over you with singing. What a great verse. So can I suggest, if you're struggling at the moment, why don't you get home, print that out, write it out, stick it where you'll see it first in the morning, whether that's on the teapot, on the kettle or wherever. Just remind yourself, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So fellowship with God, firstly, it's to commune with God, to talk to him, to sing with him, to pray with him, to listen to him, because he will do the same. Secondly, fellowship with God is intimate. It's being closely acquainted with or familiar with. Now we know we're closely acquainted with God because we're heirs. We're sons and daughters. There isn't a relationship closer than that. But are you familiar with his voice? Do you recognise God's voice? Are you familiar with God's character? Are you familiar with God's word, the Bible? Being intimate with someone is spending time with them, getting to know them. You need to get familiar with his voice. You need to learn to recognise it. And we do that through fellowship with him. Intimate is also, in the dictionary, it says a cosy and private or relaxed atmosphere. So my question to you this morning, are you relaxed in God's presence? Or does it scare you? Is it a comfortable place for you to be? Because that's what fellowship is designed to be. It's designed to be a comfortable place. Psalm 63 verse 7 says, Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Now, I don't know about you, but when you see a little chick in the shadow of its mum's wing, it looks like a great place to be. It looks like a safe place to be. It looks like a comfortable, warm place to be. Maybe you feel guilty. Maybe that's why you don't feel comfortable in the presence of God because you feel guilty. If that's you, remember Romans 8 verse 1. It says this, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. Not a little bit. No condemnation. So the final part of fellowship Where is it? There it is. Participation. Communion by intimate participation. Participation is taking part in something, isn't it? Fellowship with God is something to be taken part in. It's not something to be sat and looked at. Fellowship with God is something to be participated in. Because remember, you're not doing this for God's benefit. God is a God who is fully satisfied in himself. There is nothing that we can do or say or act like that will make God any more satisfied than he already is. Because he is God. He is fully satisfied in himself. So this act of fellowship with God is for you. Do it for you. Don't do it because you have to. Don't do it because there's been a preach that says you have to do this and that and the other. Do it for you. 
Do it for yourself. It is a two-way relationship. God at the centre of your life and you in the centre of God's love. So we're going to worship God now. We're going to have fellowship with him. So what are we going to do? We're going to commune with him. We're going to talk to him. We're going to sing to him. And he's going to talk to us and sing over us now. So can I encourage you, if God says something to you, let's be bold and share it. Having fellowship means we're going to get intimate. God may touch things in your life that only you know about. He may ask you to forgive someone or he may ask you to go and ask you to forgive someone. Does that make sense? No. He may ask you to go and ask for forgiveness from someone. Isn't it good how wives are there to support you and help you through troubled times like this? And I want you to know that God wants you to be relaxed in his presence. So as we worship now, God wants you to be relaxed. It's a great place to be. It's a safe place to be. You're under the shadow of his wing. He is singing songs of love over you this morning. And you can feel that. You can take that. So as we worship, let's do that. And let's participate, shall we? It's a two-way street. Let's get involved. Let's worship. Let's sing to him. Let's be willing to share what he gives us. And part of participation as well is just understanding when something's not quite right. And we're going to call people forward for prayer this morning. So I can ask you, if you need prayer this morning, please don't put it off. Please come down. I've asked um, some of the older members of Resound if they'd like to pray for people this morning. So when they come back, some of them will be coming down the front to, to pray for people. And it'd be great if we had some people here for them to pray for. So can I invite the band back? Dave's made his way back. So let's just pray. Lord, I want to thank you. That girl, failure isn't fatal. That, Lord, we can get back up, we can dust ourselves off, and we go again. And Lord, this year, we just want to say, we're going to go. We're going to run for you. And Lord, we're going, to, we're going to run this race for you. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, will you forgive us our sins? Lord, as we forgive those who sin against us. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, there would be a, a spirit of forgiveness in this place this morning. Lord, that people would take, Lord, the first step on that journey of forgiveness. Lord, this morning. And Lord, we just want to fellowship with you. Lord, we want to be spending time in your presence. Lord, we want to be hearing your voice. We want to be in that comfortable place. Lord God, this morning. And give us the boldness to participate. Lord, I just want to Lord, help us to take part this morning. Lord, we want to throw ourselves into you this morning. And just be there. Lord, in your presence. Lord, what a great place to be here, standing in your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing a few songs and then we're going to pray for people. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast.
our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.